The Song Confessional Podcast. Contains mature themes. Contains mature themes. Great. So put your children to sleep. So put your children to sleep. Really good. Thank you, Finn. Great. This is Walker Lukens, and you are listening to the sixth episode of... tell you what we do here at the Song Confession. We travel around the country in our little blue trailer, and we record people telling us stories anonymously. We call them confessions. We give our favorite confessions to our favorite songwriters who then write and record an original song based on your confession. Each week you'll hear the confession, the song it inspired, and an interview with the songwriters. I'm sitting here with the favorite of my three boyfriends. Tell them your name, winner. I'm mostly boyfriend number one. Yeah. I believe that's the bottom bitch. Whoa. Woo. Okay, we got saucy right away. What's <laughs> what's your name, BB? Zach Catanzaro. And uh, Zach, what band are we going to spend time with on this episode? We have Mini Horse up from Ypsilanti, Michigan. Ypsilanti, Michigan. That word is a joy to say. It really is. Ypsilanti. Mini Horse just put out a full-length record called Living Room Art on Park the Van Records, and they describe themselves as Last Dream Prom. Fascinating genre description. I don't know what that means. I'm also pretty clueless about it, but it's got some beautiful imagery. It's kind of like, it's smoky, it's hazy, it's happy, it's a little nervous. Yeah, there's a disco ball very slowly turning. Slow disco ball, maybe some pastels, like faded pastel suits. I just, I'm, I keep seeing Michael J. Fox just like walking in and being like, can I sit in? And the band's like, okay. And then he's playing Eddie Van Halen licks over like 50s music. But honestly, I still don't understand why they call themselves that. Yeah, and I, but I, I like any band that's going to come up with a creative description about their genre. Completely agree. Own it. Living Room Art is a great listen. I highly recommend you check it out after you listen to this episode and hear the song they wrote for us called not as clever as you think yeah which is a very aptly titled song this is a this is an interesting confession it's a bit of a different case than most of what we've heard so far um they wrote this song with the intention of the confessor not liking it yes they wanted the confessor to hate it and they actually spent a lot of time sort of calculating and rewriting and revising the lyrics hoping that the confessor Mm -hmm. would hate it making sure yeah making sure that there wasn't a single word that might make him feel good about himself so without further ado here's our confession Confession. all right welcome what's up how are you doing today i'm good how are you doing pretty well thank you so you uh came maybe with a story prepared or uh well yeah i guess maybe like two minutes ago i started thinking about him i got two actually you're gonna be the first person to know wow um so um, but I gotta get this shit off my chest because it's been weighing on me. So I will do the first one, which isn't as. Um, well, I guess it's still pretty juicy. So um, been dating this girl, or was dating this girl for two years. Um, she was uh, pretty uh, emotionally abusive, all that, the whole deal. You know how that goes. Um, anyways, um, part of the reason we have such an emotionally abusive relationship is because she cheated a ton. So, um, for like the last few years, it's been like a hectic situation where like, 
she feels like shit because she's a cheater. But here's the plot twist of this whole thing. I've been dating two other girls during those two years. So I've technically had three relationships going on at the same time. And I don't mean like dating them. I mean like full on relationships in three different cities. All, so that's all at the same time. All at the same time. Yep. So the great thing about this whole story is that all three of these girls are now living in Austin, Texas. And two of them live four minutes from me. So how we're going to solve this problem, I have no fucking clue. <laughs> we are going to figure it out. I'm freaking out a little bit about it. When, um, did, when did this all happen? Did they, did they just move here? Yeah, or? so one of them, um, and they're all, so here's the crazy thing. They're all different, right? So like one's like 29, one's like 22, one's 25. Can so I ask you how old you are? Yeah, I'm 27. Okay. Right, right in the mix. I yes, like exactly. So like keep the young one to keep me young, keep yeah. the old one to keep me grounded. You know the whole deal, man. One of them just moved like two weeks ago. Um, I hadn't talked to her in a while. Um, she's the one that like cheated on me, but like doesn't know I cheated on her a ton. Um, basically, she's had like inclinations. Like there's a lot of girls that she hates that are like my friends, mm -hmm. but she doesn't know that I've been with all those girls. So anyways, um, yeah, she just moved. So she the reason she's back in my life is because she called me drunk. And she was just like, come over to my house and send me the address. And I was like, I know that street. Wait a minute. That's where I do my grocery shopping. Fuck, we go to the same, we go to the same grocery store. That's not a deal. <laughs> so, um, so you know, that's that. That's uh, my confession right now. So I need to figure that out. What do you, what do you think your plan of attack is going to be? Are you going to try to pick one? Is it, is it the strongest survives? Are we doing survival of the fittest? Or are you going to keep them all going as long as possible? No, honestly. Okay. So here's the thing. I think it's one of those like competition things. It's like my, my thing is like, I love competition. So it's like kind of a competition right now. It's like not for them, but for me, like how long can I keep this going? Mm. Like how long until I get caught until it blows up in my face. And to be honest with you, I know it's going to, mm -hmm. but I'm so, I'm kind of cocky about it that I'm like, it's not. So I, I still don't have like a doomsday plan. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I'm just gonna keep this going forever. And to be honest with you, like you're saying like, oh, like which one's gonna win? I don't think any of them are gonna win. If they're dumb enough to not notice the two other girls after two years, there's no way I wanna marry them. So yeah, so we'll figure it out. We'll keep it going as long as we can. The 21 year old's yeah. gonna fuck me on Twitter mm -hmm. and blow my spot up mm -hmm. and scratch my car. At least you know. You know yeah, you like, know. yeah, I know it's coming down. Yeah, I'm not oblivious <laughs> yeah. to the fact. It's like, it's, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, that's just tools of the trade, I guess. You just gotta, you just gotta deal with it. Um, but on top of all that, so here's another great story. So mm -hmm. I just moved here, right? So in my last city, okay, um, I met this other chick, not related to the three previous chicks. Um, one night standed her, right? Gave her a completely different name. Um, she was from out of town, whatever. Um, I don't know how to put this. So she, she's like, not, not necessarily religious, but pretty like, um, conservative, I guess. So like opened up, said she hadn't had like a lot of sexual partners, blah, blah, blah. Well, anyways, we got to drinking and you know how that goes. So we, we did the deed and I looked her up just out of curiosity and she's pregnant and the time frame is right around when we hooked up. And, like, I haven't seen any pictures of dudes in her life. Like, you know what I mean? Like, not like, oh, we're so excited for this baby. Like, we're so... Mm -hmm. So, right now, that's my other conundrum. Do, like, I reach out and be like... Because she can't find me because I gave her a fake name. Like, completely fake name. Mm -hmm. 
So and no phone number exchange. No phone. No, no and no. hell no. Nothing. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not on any of that stuff. So I'm not on social. I'm not. I because when you're dating three girls, you you can't be. That's how you get caught. Clearly. So, clearly. Yeah. So I think I might have a kid, and I'm dating three chicks at the same time. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> Hi, this is Jim. You know. Hey, this is Walker. So, Jim, one thing that our listeners don't know is that most of the time, the producer of the session doesn't know the artist ahead of time. Correct. Right? Yeah. So not only are you, uh, you know, making something from nothing, right? Uh, The the band is writing the song on the spot and you're recording it shortly thereafter, but you're also getting to know each other. Correct. So is that a process that you would describe as challenging? I mean, it can be. Uh, I mean, one of the difficult things is not knowing what the artist plays instrument-wise, knowing how to actually build up a song by what they play and what we can put together here at the studio. So there's a lot of feeling out process. You don't want to assume that the artist knows how to play every instrument. Mm -hmm. You have to be like, so do you play anything? Stuff like that. One thing I've encountered too is that sometimes writing songs is really Deep, really personal. Yeah. And so the person is a little touchier than they might normally be mm-hmm. in that that particular part of it. So right. you got to kind of tiptoe around them. I haven't noticed that only because the, the time constraints are so, I mean, there's no time to do anything. So I've found mm-hmm. that it actually frees up the songwriter and that they can let go of a lot of things. And we're just working so fast that yeah. a lot of times they're not dwelling on things and they're just going for what everyone thinks is exciting in the studio. So we thought today we would call James Wesley Esri, who produced this mini horse song. Right. And ask him what it was like. Let's do it. Let's do it. What's up? Hey, Hey, Wes. How you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Good. Can you hear both of us? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear both of you. Oh, that's good. That's great news. So what was it like working with mini horse? It was great. We were heading in from South By and literally did the drive and went straight to my studio. So at first it was me just trying to like make everyone feel comfortable and get relaxed and stretch their legs or their car drive. But um, after that, I think Ben had some of the song already ready. I can't remember if the whole song was already written, but the band hadn't heard it before. Wes, yeah. Prince says you don't have to watch Dynasty to have an attitude. Do you agree or disagree? Wait, say that again? Hey, Wes, <laughs> what, what's your favorite fizzy drink? My, fe- my favorite fizzy drink is Topo Chico. Here's Not As Clever As You Think by Mini Horse.
Not As Clever As You Think was written by Ben Collins. It was performed by Ben Collins, Christian Anderson, and John Fossum. It was engineered, produced, and mixed by James Wesley Esri. And mastered by Chris Longwood. Walker, have you ever written a track that was intended for somebody not to like? I I have written uh, mean songs about people. Mm -hmm. Unkind songs. I don't know that I've ever written a song with the specific mission (laughs) of uh, someone else not liking it. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. There's, I feel like uh, you've got to tiptoe around the circumstances of writing a song like that. Like, yeah. very appropriate in this scenario, but it's not a personal vendetta that the song was written to diss somebody. Exactly. The, uh, the closest I've ever come to writing a song that I hoped someone else would not like, I guess, is um, I did write a song for uh, our, our, our president called We See You. But even that song, it's... it's fairly empathetic to yeah. how difficult it must be to be the president, which I'm a little, I'm a little bummed at, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could have, could have been, you know, stuck with the, the hate a little longer. Yeah, that's fair. You're just like a little too empathetic I had even a... for that fucking asshole. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, I did have a, I did have a moment uh, when we were on tour in the spring where we were performing it and like, you know, my experience of performing the songs is because so much of it is just muscle memory that I can actually sing the song and be thinking about the song. Sometimes Mm -hmm. (laughs) the lyric is, well, is it more than you wanted stuck out in the big bright lights? And I was like, yeah, I'm being kind of (laughs) nice. I never really thought about that. Here I am a year and a half later realizing I'm being a little nice. So, so the answer is, yes, you've written a diss track and it was kind of nice. Yep. <laughs> yep. But I think not as clever as you think is 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 really mean. Yeah, it is. It, and effectively mean. And I love that I love that he just totally doesn't even try to like tell the story of the guy dating two women or maybe impregnating another one. He's mm-hmm. just like, no, no, no. Here's everything that's wrong with you. And mm-hmm. I see who you really are. Uh, yeah. It's a very intentional critique. Yeah. And, and a necessary one from what it sounds like. Absolutely. Um, you're about to hear my interview with Ben, but we talk all about the intent of the song and men like this. Interview. Interview. speaking with Ben Collins. Um, I'm the singer and guitar player in the band Mini Horse. What what was this confession about? Can you, in your own words, what, what did you listen to? Sure, yeah. So the confession, it was interesting because he started off by talking about how he had had some, some girlfriend that had cheated on him. And so you, you start out feeling a little bit bad for the guy, but then he very, very quickly spirals into the, the part where he goes, no, but in fact, what she doesn't know is I was cheating on her the entire time. And it's it's like everything that he says in this thing, it's clear through his voice that he's just excited to talk about it. It's <laughs> It doesn't feel like a confession in any regard. It, it feels very much like um, he, he wants to kind of talk about this and he, he wants to kind of tell somebody how how sweet he is, you know, like how many girls he's been with and stuff like that. And it just feels gross, like right away. And so... so what he says is that not only has he been cheating on this girl for two years, but uh, but it's not just like one-off little you know escapades. He's actually got several full relationships going on that he's been 
juggling between these two girls and now they're in the same city. Kind of like it's a big accomplishment. For a while, you're kind of like, oh, this guy's a, a cheater and, and he, he seems kind of proud of cheating and all this stuff. But the point where I actually started to just kind of lose all my respect, it, there's a line in there where he says, or the interviewer asks him, what's your end game? Like, are you trying to pick one of these girls? Where do you think you're going to go with this? And he essentially says, you know, if either of these girls are dumb enough to let me do this to them, then I don't think either of them is smart enough for me or something along those lines. I was just like, Oh my God. I had, I had the exact (laughs) same experience that you've described. I've met men like that. I, it's, uh, it, it does. It's something that I'm used to. So a lot of times it doesn't really sink in, but when he said the thing about all of the women being, because he's able to cheat on them, that they're too dumb and he would never marry them. That was the part where I was like, man, you are. Yeah. It's like the the emotional equivalent of like, stop, stop, um, stop hitting my fist with your face or something like that. Exactly. (laughs) Jesus, dude. There's just so, such an unbelievable lack of self-awareness, I think. And, um, and just basic human decency. I completely agree. You know, and to be honest with you, we we almost didn't include this confession in our <laughs> oh, in our project. Yeah. Well, and and to be honest with with you too, and I think you're on these maybe you're on this thread, but there was a there was a point where um, you know, and and I I love this idea of this podcast, and and um, we were very excited, and then we got the confession, and I I wrote our uh, our label um, back, and I, I said can we check in on this? Because I, I think, uh, I don't know if I can do this one. <laughs> I, you know, th- this is the thing. This is the thing. I, I remember that because you basically were like, uh, I don't want to say anything nice. You know, and I was like, yeah, don't say yeah I was like, if nice. I do this, I, I, yeah. I, I'm not, it's not going to be friendly. And I don't know, like, and that was another thing, even, even listening back to it now, uh, I, I guess I don't get a lot of joy out of this song or anything like that, just because it does go to this sort of negative space that we, we don't, uh, you know, we kept calling it like a diss track by the end of it, but yeah. we, we've never really gone down that road before. So it was, it was actually, part of it was uh, uh, mildly fun during the process just because we got to be like, you know, screw you, dude, or whatever. But, yeah. but it, it, you know, there's not a lot of, I don't get a lot of joy in listening back to it um, right now just because it, it puts me back thinking about this guy and everything i so i, I put your uh, i put your song in the same category as like you're so vain yeah carly sure. simon song because it, it's there's there's a few levels to it you know there is the the first level which is it's about a guy who is i mean he's truly narcissist he must he's a super narcissist right yeah i mean he's just yeah. leeching off of all these people uh all these women and then but the other thing is that I think if he heard this song, he would probably like it. Yeah, I know <laughs> because it's about because it's about him. But I yeah. do think that it would be it, it's pretty biting. I mean, that, the back to the lyric, I really like that. I promise you're not as clever as you think. That's that's a really good line for a guy like that. Yeah, we iterated over the lyrics a couple times, and um, you know, we took out things too that we, that were kind of dissy, but that we thought maybe he would uh, he would like. Perhaps he was treating this kind of like some some roast me you know like roast me that that uh subreddit where people go on there and they're like they post a picture and they're like roast me and then everybody like roasts them but um they get some sort of i guess like perverse joy out of it or something so wow. in my head i was thinking maybe he was doing that where it's just like man this guy as long as it's about him he's gonna enjoy it, it in part it was a struggle to think of like all right what wouldn't he actually like <laughs> and I'm, yeah. I'm not sure that I'm, I'm still not sure we accomplished it he might still enjoy the track just because it is about him so so I, who knows? So 
most of the time, I would say 95% of the time, we get songs that are empathetic towards the confessor. And and the thing that is awesome about your song is it's it's a reaction not just to having to think about this asshole for so mm-hmm. long, but also <laughs> I think the reason it, it would offend him is you just keep saying it's like a waste of your time to think about someone like <laughs> yeah. this. You yeah, know, that, that was where, what we came to came to eventually. It's just the the fact that essentially he's wasting our time. He knows he's wasting our time. The the point he uh, the reason he went into this confession was probably explicitly to to cause a bunch of people to have to spend their time thinking about him and his situation, which is essentially at the core of his narcissism. I, you know, one thing, uh, the other thing about this was uh, I really wanted to give this confession to a male songwriter. And, yeah. and the reason I did is that uh, I think, you know, there needs to be more conversations like this where two men can talk about how terrible this person is, you know? Absolutely. Uh, and, and, you know, early on, we, we just decided that, that this is not the time, you know, in history to be giving guys like this a pass on this sort of stuff. Uh, certainly talking about abuse and, and uh, the way that, that men can and often do behave is something that's, uh, that's coming more to the forefront, which is good. And it's, it's important to talk about this stuff. And it, it did seem like, um, he, he did seem like an abuser to me. Also, I'll say I don't I don't know all the details, but but it's pretty hard to come away from hearing that and not say, okay, this guy is is an abuser in some form, be it emotionally or he's certainly a manipulator. And then, oh, that was another line in the song talking about uh, I just had to you know waste my time listening to you cry about your own abuse to sit yeah. there and uh, reframe his own actions that is supposed to make us feel anything but negative towards him is is kind of appalling. Um, True. And, and yeah, it's just like, it doesn't seem like a, a good time just in, in the grand scheme of things to be letting anything like this slide. Um, and certainly as a jumping off point for conversation, we thought about that too and, and how, you know, it'd totally be worth doing in, in, um, in that capacity. You know, the other, uh, other thing I'm curious about is like, do you encounter people like this in your day to day? I think that when I say people, I just mean, do you, do you encounter men like this? I'm sure I do. It's a great fear of mine that, you know, I think that, that somewhere in my head, because what struck me about this is the, the possibility that, that this guy is actually not doing any of this stuff on purpose, that maybe maybe these, his sort of abuses and actions are, are truly unconscious. So I, I worry that, that guys go about their day and have tendencies like these without, without knowing it. Um, that's that's one of my my great fears is because everyone feels like oh you know uh, not all men do this kind of stuff but but you know maybe what we really need is just self inventory. I'm I'm kind of grateful. I've been I've been in a relationship mostly for the last like seven years, so I haven't had to like uh, uh, navigate a lot of the same stuff <laughs> you know, that yeah that my single friends have. But but certainly you 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 see things that people do casually when they're out and and you look at the way that people interact in their unconscious moments and, and sometimes see things that are alarming. I don't think that there's anyone that's been, that I know who's been as brash as this guy mm-hmm. um, or as sort of surface level um, uh, shitty and abusive. But, you know, you see little things in your male friends sometimes that, that are alarming. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm more or less in the same position as you. I, I've, I'm very much on the sidelines. Uh, I've been yeah. in a relationship 
and I know what you're saying. You do see these little these little things in your male friends, and and depending on how close they are to you, you know, it it's it's very hard to say something. I, I think there's a defensiveness there, uh, and also it's like you're in a relationship. So what do you know? But the the thing that I I've noticed a lot is that uh, I find myself around just old school misogyny every once in a while. I de- definitely touring. I mean, being a touring oh, yeah. musician, you know, you leave your little bubble and you encounter like, whoa, I haven't heard anyone speak that way in a minute. Totally. And, uh, and it's, it's very difficult. You know, I mean, obviously the, the, in an ideal world, you would be able to sort of speak up and say something. Yeah, uh, for sure. But, and I, I tend to when it's, uh, I guess I, I tend to when, when I feel like, um, it's, it's someone I, I know and, and, uh, you know, whenever possible, I, I guess I would try and say something about it. Um, but you're right. It's like, uh, when, when you go out and you kind of leave the bubble and, and you see it, uh, more, uh, the mo- more boisterous or more, um, outwardly facing forms of that thing, it is, it is such a shock, but yeah. it's, it's, um, you know, important to remember too, there are these subtle ways that it shows up in, I guess, art and music scenes too, because we are in these progressive circles. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's way less surface level, but it's definitely still there. I remember, um, you remember that thing when I think it was Heathcliff B, the the publicist. It was like it came out that he was. Uh, I think this was even before, before the Me Too thing really got yeah its steam. It was, yeah, I remember Amber Kaufman came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And it's like I had, I had met that guy back in the day and stuff, and and you know everyone seems so progressive and and hip and cool. But then you find these things out, and certainly uh, a number of similar situations have happened in the Detroit scene too. And it's just like it—it it, it really makes you take a step back and and wonder, uh, like who you can trust in a way, because you know it, it sounds bad, but in those outside the the bubbles, at least you know you kind of know who those people are. But it, when you're, it, you almost get this like um, PTSD around it when you're when you're in music scenes or art scenes, and you don't know. There's that shittiness, but then there's also this like, there, there's this like sociopathic layer on top of it that enables them to seem like it's you know what I yeah. mean? It's, it's just creepy. The thing I hear the most, the most uh, run of the mill misogynistic attitude that I encounter a lot is male musicians holding female musicians to a different standard, hmm. or or in the kind of unconscious thing that you're you you brought up before, just sort of unconsciously commenting on their appearance or oh yeah or or, or crediting their band for yeah their, their sound it, their band more than they would you know let's say a, a, a male fronted project or something and yeah definitely and you know that kind of stuff it, that is the the stuff i feel like you know if you are an ally or whatever you have that's when you have the power to sort of push back on that because you know that like the guy in the confession i mean that is so extreme Mm-hmm. I, I haven't encountered someone so brazenly, you know, talking about just really doing wrong by four women at the same time. I mean, I haven't encountered that in years. Yeah, but we haven't even discussed the thing where he got some girl pregnant. He thinks, and it's yeah, and, <laughs> and it just gave her a fake name, and and like you know, it was. Who knows if he's going to do the right thing there? I've so I've listened to this confession three times. Yeah, and the the <laughs> thing I can't escape is when he starts to talk about that. Like when he starts to talk about, yeah, also there's this other thing I did, right? Right. He still sounds so fucking excited to talk about it. Yeah, he does. 
and, and that's then, the thing where I, it, you know, I felt I, Zach was in a very Zach is the guy who's who's uh, taking the confession. Yeah, he's the interviewer, and you know, he was in a very tricky position, I think, because he couldn't just outwardly judge this guy. He kind of needed to get the information for the for purposes sure, yeah. of our project. But you know, I could tell he wanted to, and that was another thing too, where I was like. Because I, I was kind of taking cues from from how he was, and I was thinking, oh, you know, this is probably a thing where I need to be neutral, and that's why I wrote that first message to you guys. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if I can be neutral in this, guys. Yeah. But um, but yeah, he was he was very diplomatic, and um, he also did a good job of like coaxing out every bit of, of garbage out of that guy's personality. Well, you know, he was happy to in, share in it. his neutrality. <laughs> yeah, you can't really can't really blame him for yeah. for his neutrality in that situation. Yeah, I'm sure. You probably heard about what's happened with Ryan Adams over the last yes. m- month or two. I mean, he's, I guess for anyone listening who's not familiar with this, I mean, basically uh, a lot of women came forth and said that Ryan Adams dangled career opportunities in front of them, you know, sort of in exchange for a sexual relationship. Uh, that's a, mm-hmm. the most disgusting part of it was that some of these girls were very young, like teenagers. Yeah, um, and you know the thing uh, the thing around it Phoebe Bridgers had a tweet which was yeah this this is terrible but remember that like there are all sorts of people around him who knew about this and were enabling enabled him, it yeah you know sure yeah and that's that's a that's the thing that that has stuck with me from all of that is like that's how people like this yeah it's go through adulthood it makes me realize too um, that it's it's more than just single individuals acting alone it's uh, an ecosystem around them that's that's fostering their ability to to be that way and um i think that uh it's the ecosystem is the most kind of pernicious part uh potentially dangerous part of the whole thing that that could be thwarted because I, I think a lot of these things uh if when when people feel comfortable acting the way they act they they just do it more and so just even uh dude uh Stop. <laughs> yeah, dude, stop. You're being gross. Like, yeah. even just like little things like that, I think, could go a long way. Zach, what was it like taking that confession? And honestly, it was it was one of the more conflicting and challenging confessions I've taken. I was like sitting there trying to you know, create an open forum like we do for people to feel comfortable sharing something they might not normally share. And at the same time, just being like, wow, what an asshole. You know, I'm not somebody that likes to bro down about female conquests. That's not who I am. And that's like what he was kind of trying to sit there and do with me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was, it was pretty awkward. What, what goes into that mentality? Like why? Cause, because it, you know, y'all, you're not friends. No, definitely. And not. He, there's no sort of like, like you're not bonding. So what do you think was going through his head as he was I, talking to you? I, honestly, I feel like at, at this point in life, yeah, I'm sure you can say the same. There's just like one out of every 15 to 20 guys you meet is this weird archetype of just like following their dicks around a hundred percent of the time. Uh, and that's, that's what he is. He thinks that every guy is like his bro and that every woman out there is for him to conquest. Yeah. And to and to brag about to his quote unquote friends, which he assumed I was one of. Yeah. But like what 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 is what makes this guy tick? I think it can't be anything besides control. 
And what do you mean by that? Like break break that down for me so I can understand. Break down control as in, in, in this scenario. In this scenario, it's like he is he wants the feeling that every second he's spending time with these people that he has the upper hand. He knows something they don't know. He has some kind of power over them just because they don't see the situation at, you know in the reality. Just the fact that he knows more than they do gives him control and power over them. And 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 he likes that. And he likes that. Like that's something he associates yeah. with love or it romance or sex. Well, it can't just be about getting laid. It's like, definitely not that. There's so many different ways to make that happen in today's world that don't require that level of deceit. I wonder also if he he associates uh, deceit with love and sex. Or like, or maybe that maybe it's an insecurity thing. He's afraid to be himself and court somebody. So putting on this thing is wearing a mask, being deceitful and exerting this like weird sense of power. He doesn't have to be himself. He doesn't actually have to be intimate with anybody. Yeah, he's definitely not uh, experiencing any kind of real emotional intimacy. No, you can't. With that kind of dishonesty, it's completely impossible. It's not even coming into the sphere of his relationship world. Maybe there's a more basic thing, too, where it's like, what is it that men and women get from having multiple partners when it's like this, right? Mm-hmm. When it's definitely kind of a conquest thing. It's like, what is that? Mm-hmm. What is that? What did you what do what does someone get from that? I think some people are would argue that, you know, it's in our DNA to have multiple partners, especially in the male DNA to have multiple partners to spread your seed for the highest chance of you know reproduction is like that's the animalistic sense but it's like doing that i mean there's people getting freaky that are completely honest you know so it's not about the sex and it's not about multiple partners because that's happening all the time in great consensual ways that i have no issue with and i you know you have no issue with and that anybody involved in that situation is not going to have an issue with Mm -hmm. but it's it it's definitely lies in the deceit. There's that's where the pleasure is coming from. I think you're right. It can't be about the sex, just because it doesn't. Sex, it yeah. doesn't have to. It doesn't have to involve deceit. Like here's this this guy who is at uh, ostensibly at a public place drinking with um, some friends. Mm-hmm. Definitely not there alone. Yeah, and he's there, and then he goes into this this booth. And is gonna give a confession, right? And he did did not tell us something fluffy. He told us something pretty bad. Yeah, pretty a, juicy. A true confession. Mm-hmm. And he is very proud of his behavior. He reveals to us that he has been doing this for a long time. No one knows about it. And like, what is it? What are you trying to put out there? Is it that he's like, you know, this? just super masculine like dude who kind of can do whatever he wants or Mm. manipulates people it's like that's the thing that i've been thinking about Mm -hmm. and like well in in a lot of ways he's not really putting it out there because like you like you said it's a true confession he was like maybe he is feeling guilty about it maybe that's why he wanted to come tell us Maybe that's why he did come in while hanging out with friends that probably don't know the truth. Yeah. The group of people he's hanging out with probably don't know as much as we do. And maybe all that bravado that he had in talking to you, like that's just his, that's how he always is. Yeah. And so that comes out and then he's telling you this shitty stuff and 
maybe if, if the conversation had been longer with him, maybe he would have expressed more like real guilt. Yeah, well, because I don't think he's it, it, he didn't make it seem like he was chatting about this with his friends. Oh, and I completely because agree he, with you. Because he says specifically, you know, that felt great to get off my chest. So obviously he is feeling guilt about it. He's he's aware that, you know, that's not the correct path forward. Oof. Yeah. So maybe maybe he was trying to take the opportunity as like a true confession. And maybe maybe the thing that's so unnerving about it and the thing that Ben picks up on and that we're disturbed by and yeah, maybe he was trying to feel better, but maybe he's just got this arrogant tone whenever he's talking about anything. Yeah. Like under there is real like guilt. But yeah. He just talks about everything like Yeah, his tone doesn't necessarily match his emotion behind it. Like at all or at all what he's saying. Yeah. It's like he's just really out of touch with his fucking behavior and what a shit Eddie is. Yeah, it's true. I think that um there there's a pretty prevalent low emotional IQ in today's American male. Yeah. And uh it's just this is a prime example of that. Not As Clever As You Think is available everywhere you stream or download music. iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, Napster, Kazaa, LimeWire, Deezer, Warehouse Music, SamGoody.com, Blockbuster, Blockbuster, um... Montgomery Ward. FAO Schwartz. FAO Schwartz. Um, TWA Airlines. Circuit City. Oh my god. The Taking Care of Business song. Taking Care of Business. That's not available. No, that is available every stream music as well. theme song you heard at the top was written by me, Walker Lucas. It was performed by myself, Zach Catanzaro, and James Wesley Essery. It was engineered by Grant Epley and mixed by old Matt Gerhardt. Song Confessional is produced by myself, Walker Lucas, Aaron Blackerby, Rylan Kettery, Jim Eno, and Mike Lee. It is also brought to you by KTX. And uh, apologies to Matt Riley. Uh, I know that my car has been parked in your parking spot for like a week now but